What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Richer Geek Podcast. Uh, today, we welcome Jonathan Hung. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing great. Thank you, Michael. Uh, John or Jonathan, what can we... Either or. Either I answer or. to both in a professional setting. If, you, if, we, if we go drink and then you know me as Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I'm not sure people get would call me Mikey without a, a sneer, but uh, right. <laughs> uh, my, it's the same with me, Mike or Michael. But, uh, you know, so, Jonathan, you are an angel investor, a venture mm-hmm. capital partner. Yep. Uh, and... Uh, to set the tone, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not sure that there's a place that's like the, the places to graduate that Jonathan hasn't graduated oh. from. <laughs> I mean, get this. Okay, several degrees from the University of SoCal, uh, London School of Economics, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, and the one of the big ones, the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, one of the, the best schools there is. Um, wow. You know, you just like to go to school, huh? It's it's so funny you bring that up. And I, I kind of messed it up. I was just trying to go for three-letter acronyms, right? USC, <laughs> LSE, and MIT. That UPenn screwed it up. <laughs> there you go. You know, so would ask me, like, oh, like, you know, some of my dad's friends, like, man, you sure love school. And I'm like, well, listen, if I was going to be a lawyer, I got to go to law school. If I want to be a doctor, got to go to, you know, med school. And like, there's no one way of being a venture capitalist. Either like, listen, you got money or you don't, or you got to work yourself way up, yourself up, right? And like, just because you have money doesn't mean you're a good venture capitalist. Just means you got a couple extra bullets to shoot mm. your shot. And for me, it's like, you know, each of those institutions or each of those places I went to, it helped me get better as an investor because I know that I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I know where they are. And I like to make sure that, that you know, this is the room I want to be in. I mean, if like I'm the smartest guy in the room, I got to get the hell out of that room because it's not enough. I need other people who are better uh, at, you know, due diligence or financial modeling or like product development or marketing to help get me, whether it's a consumer product or an enterprise product or a SaaS play, you know, to to the finish line, you know, whether that's an exit or, you know, an IPO. Yeah. So uh, let's start. Um, How did you get in? involved you know a little bit about your background how did you get involved in the angel investing um sure 
Sure. For me, it started back in 2012. I came back home to run my family's clothing contract manufacturing business called uh, Barrage, United Overseas Textile Corporation. So within that company, you know, I was able to do everything from importing and exporting of clothing made in China, uh, whether to some of our customers like Amazon, Costco, Burn & Co. Factory. So it was a great like learning experience. Uh, for me, um, it was it was my father's company, you know, and I was able to help. Unfortunately, he got sick at the time, so I had to help him and take over the business. But at the same time, like I before then, I was a financial advisor, and so I was able to trade public equities, stocks and bonds, etc. And I was just so curious about just investing um, as as you know a, a venture capitalist or like really early stage. And so you know, I heard something about Silicon Beach. You know, I'm from Los Angeles, and I said, let me go dig in. And, you know, for better or for worse, like my first investment I ever made was a company called GIFT, G-Y-F-T. And that exited in 10 months. That's really pretty good. Pretty good. You know, two and a half X multiple in 10 months. I'm like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> but it's not that easy. And I've lost a lot, a lot more money, but I've made more along the way. And it's been a great adventure since then. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, let's dig into let's explain to our listeners exactly what some of this stuff is. You know, we've talked about venture partnerships, angel investing. Uh, there might be some of our listeners that are thinking about, Hey, you know, uh, I always wanted to start this or get into, in, into my own business. Um, and in some situations you can do a syndication, you can do a fund, you mm -hmm. can do these types of things. Um, but angel investing, you know, I, I've heard some things about, I, I've had some angel investing, some funds and, and mm -hmm. venture partners come and want to do some hotels with me. Right. Um, and, you know, I've been hesitant because maybe I didn't quite know exactly what it was I was getting into, um, you know, how much power they would want, how much control. Uh, so tell me a little bit about angel investing. Well, for me, angel investing is totally different than being a venture capitalist, right? Like um, I would say it, it requires a different type of skill set because, you know, for running a venture fund, you have to be good at raising money from other people, right? It's called OPM, other people's money. And of course you put like a little bit of your commitment into it, but really it's a process and there's, there's investment memos you need to write, diligence packages you need to make. Like, you know, it's a three-year cycle of investing and you have to make sure that these are the best things that you can invest in this three-year time period. Whereas angel investing, I, I think it's so much more relaxed and it's your expertise, what you like to do. It's your money. You get to make the decision. You don't have to talk to anybody else. You make the call. Perfect example. I had a company called Bear Flag Robotics and it got bought actually 13 days ago. Today's the 17th, so it got bought August 4th. And so I, because of one of those schools I went to, Warden, you know, I got to meet a guy, I mean, Gino Cafiero, you know, and he had an idea about automation when it comes to farming and tractors. And, you know, he was raising a three and a half million dollar valuation. I knew him from business school. I knew his character. I knew where his family, his background was. You know, he worked at Cisco. Uh, funny enough, we were just talking about, you know, that company. Um, and really, he had nothing at the time. You just knew you had to believe in him as a person. You believe him an individual. Because, like, if it was for a venture fund, there's no way you would have put money in at that time. Because he didn't have product market fit. He didn't have an MVP set up. He didn't have, like, uh, you know, wasn't a roboticist. You know, he went to Carnegie Mellon and Wharton, but that didn't mean that he was qualified to understand what farming was or what automation was. 
but you knew if you knew him as an individual, like that's the bet I made on him. So I, I wrote a $25,000 check as an angel, right? So angel investors, like you, you can write a $25,000, $10,000, all the way up to $100,000 check. Where a venture capital, you're writing a little bigger. Like, you know, my venture checks are anywhere from 50 at the really low end to up to a million dollars. So that takes a lot more diligence. You know, an angel investor, you're, you're taking more chances, you know, at a higher risk, but higher reward. So funny enough, Bear Flag Robotics, you know, got bought like 13 days ago by John Deere you know, for 250 million. So I got in a three and a half, pretty, pretty decent. Right. But a fun adventure VC would not have done it. Maybe they would have done it. Like when Gino did his seed and his series a, when you had something definitely more product market fit, more customers, more tech, uh, and a bigger team than just himself. But angel investing to me is always about, well, it's my money and you're willing to take a chance really super early versus like, you know, we're a fun, you just have to have really true conviction of why you made that investment at that given point in time. Yeah. And, you know, for someone that's looking at um, approaching either venture partners, mm-hmm. uh, syndicators or angel investing, you know, the, the paperwork, you, you also have to look at, Oh yeah. Looking for an angel investor is a lot cheaper than spending mm-hmm. 25, 30, $35,000 on yeah the attorneys to draw up all the paperwork for your uh, VP or limited partnership, your syndication or whatever it is. Uh, So it's probably a lot easier for people to get, to ask for angel investors. Um, Definitely. So it it is so much easier, you know, than going through a fund mm -hmm. itself, you know, and like, you know, and also like, but I don't mind paying fees, you know, like if if we're all making money together, I don't mind paying. Mm -hmm. For other people, you know, because it's just uh, you got to make money. You got to spend money to make money. That's how I always viewed it as, you know, I made an investment recently where I got into SpaceX and I'm paying a pretty hefty uh, carrying cost of 25%. And you know what? But I couldn't get in the deal any other way. And if you're a big believer in space, not not just going to the moon, but like, you know, SpaceX is space transportation. If this is going to be the Ford for space, you know, hey, this is going to be a company that's going to be around for a very long time. So even though it's a liquid, you know, you don't know what Elon's going to, you know, do. <laughs> it's really up to Elon. Um, you know, but you, if you believe in that sector, you make that bet and you just set it and forget it. How can people find angel investors? You, you know, it's really like, I would say angel investors, you don't just like wake up one day like, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm in like, I work at a, like at Google or Facebook and I have all this extra money. You know, I see like you find syndicate groups, you know, like I'm a member of Tech Coast Angels, right? And and really like my mistake and my, my luck in the beginning was like, yeah, I made great money on my first investment, mm-hmm. but that was just pure luck and chance. You know, I didn't have a process, didn't have the right people because, you know, the fifth investment I ever saw because I always remember it because I turned it down. It was a, it was a gaming company where you pretend to buy and sell stock and you get a score every week. And I was like, who's going to play this game? And I didn't understand like, why is it worth $20 million? It seems a little pricey. You know, I didn't know enough people, but I got sent to it from a friend of mine who worked at Goldman Sachs. He was a managing director there. And I just didn't, it just didn't seem like it was like uh, plants versus zombies or, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't where, where's the pigs and the birds, right? Where were the angry birds? I don't get it. Like, how are you going to come back? And I wish I knew that they were selling the data. You know, they were selling the data from the free trades that you were making because you didn't actually buy anything. What you got was you were just, it was just pretending to buy and sell stock. And I was thinking, why is this company called Robinhood? Uh, and I turned down Robinhood at $20 million valuation. Oh. 
And it wasn't that my deal flow was there. I knew plenty of people, right? But I wish I had a network. And that's what I started doing, building since 2012, my network of, you know, being an LP in over 25 different funds or, you know, working with all these great people and having really like, once you have great entrepreneurs, you go to them and talk Mm -hmm. to them about it. I wish I had that then. I wish I had the, I had the partners now that I did then, because maybe I would have wrote that check, that 25,000. And it'd probably be worth like 30, 40 million now. Because, you know, if you look at Robinhood, just went public a couple of weeks ago at, you know, it's at 30, 40 billion right now in market cap. But you know what? You do this long enough. Hey, you're going to have those. You're going to have an anti-portfolio. And that's OK, because you have to find the right group, whether it's like an alumni ventures group or you work with other people who went to school with or, you know, these angel networks within your own city. You're going to find people who are like minded in the sense that, you know, you, you want to help strive to a goal together because I'm going to ask different diligence questions than someone else. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think of it like that. And now like I've basically stolen bits and pieces of what I'm telling you right now from other people. (laughs) Yeah. What are some of the due diligence questions that you would ask, you know, for if I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners right now thinking, Mm -hmm. wow, okay, I've got an extra 25, Mm 50,000. Maybe I want to do this, Mm -hmm. but they've never done it. So what are some of the questions people should be asking? Because here there's, I, a lot of ideas that sound great. Yep. Right. But yep. they may be just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I look at four key things when I look at a company, whether I want to continue diligence further and, and bring in other people. Um, number one for me is the team. I mean, it's so important looking at who the team is, whether they're, they have experience in that sector or, or they have the right educational background or, you know, they just have the right network of people to help them. It really is so important when it's early stage investing. Because like when I look at investments, anything under 20 million to me is series A and, and, and mm-hmm. under, right? It's series A and above, series B and above. You know what? Those are more professional. Those are more like, listen, those are like hedge fund managers, private equity people, growth investors. And it's different because they have product market fit. You're basically adding fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. But when it's really truly early, I got to look at the team first because it's not about the idea. I mean, I turned out Robinhood and I shouldn't have turned out Robinhood because I thought the idea wasn't great. But the team, look, look at the two guys that are still running it to this day. They're still there. That means they have true grit, that they're relentless. So you got to look at them. Because listen, they had, I just remember they had something that failed initially, but they were still working and figured it out. That's so important. Like it's never always someone who's just like, oh, hey, they're Mark Zuckerberg and they figured it out the first time around. You know, so, you know, and it, you just really need to see the team and who they are. Uh, number two, I look at the idea, right? I mean, you look at, is it, is it something where it's like, hey, is it some sort of code that makes sense that I don't know about? They're changing the game, whether it's an enterprise play or a direct consumer play. Is there something different that you don't see in the marketplace? Like, just like we talked about bear flag robotics, like it makes sense. Automatic, you know, tractors. That makes sense. People don't want to farm, don't want to be in the sun. Look, I'm a little sunburned. You can't see, but I am <laughs> right now. Like, yeah, why would I be out there all day? It makes perfect sense, but you know, it doesn't mean that they can't do it. Like my first, one of my like investments I made early on was also a company called Miso Robotics. And literally like Miso is raising a $350 a million valuation now. But at the time it was just four roboticists from Caltech saying, we want to make a robot that makes hamburgers. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That was, that was the pitch. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's look into that more. So it was the idea that I focused on because it made sense. Like, you know, no one's dream is to work at McDonald's for 20 plus years. That makes no sense. It's a good first time job, but it's not like the last job you're ever going to do. So maybe we can make that more efficient, more better. And Miso has done a tremendous job since, 
you know, coming in from a concept into actually having the robots to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, then three and four are kind of interrelated. Uh, you look at the revenue growth and the customer growth. Because sometimes a company could have so many users, but they're not making any money, which is totally fine. Because look at LinkedIn. LinkedIn grew every year, year over year, for a tremendous amount of time when Reed Hoffman started, but they, didn't, they weren't making money. Like mm-hmm. it was free to sign up. But just like, wow, the potential of it growing to so much because scaling is so quick. People ask you, what's your daily active users or your monthly active users? Because the question is, you know, there's going to be people who are going to churn. But if you have such a huge data pool of people, like you're going to find a way to figure out some way of monetizing. And then you look at revenue at the same time as three and four, revenue growth and customer growth. Revenue growth to me doesn't mean like you're making a million dollars monthly recurring revenue. It's really you're growing week to week, day to day. And you see that trajectory where you're going to get to that hockey stick and then take off. Like, because when you're really early, you, you're not going to get into the millions of millions. I sometimes see projections. I'm like, I don't care about your five-year projections or your three or four-year because they make no sense. You're going to be pivoting. Like, I just want to see how you get from zero to a hundred thousand. And then from 100,000 to a million and from million to 10 million, because that's the trajectory I'm going to see that makes sense. That like, oh, that's how you grow, that you're actually coming with a business model that makes sense. So that's what I would always look for. Those four criteria when evaluating a company from the start. Yeah, that, you know, it's great information. I'm, I'm taking notes also because, you know, it's I've um, put some money into some startups and things like that. And, and you know, it was people that I knew. And they had successful companies, so I knew that was a pretty good chance um, for mm-hmm. you know to be successful. But you know, when you don't know the person, you know th- these those types of questions yeah. are really um, strategic. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about the venture partner side. You know, you're you're a mm-hmm. uh, co-managing partner at Unicorn Venture mm-hmm. Partners. Yes. Um, and senior venture partner. Now, if, if I th- if I get this right, Unicorn, no, that was Expert Dojo's the international. Unicorn is um, U.S. based, or is it just you know what is Unicorn? So Unicorn is basically a pre-seed seed and Series A uh, venture fund that three partners came together, three family offices. We don't have outside capital, so it's only our own money that we're investing in. Mm-hmm. We try, so it makes it a little easier uh, in terms of like you know making decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't have to be like, oh, we have to do this in a certain amount of time, and we have to worry about raising the next money. So for us, we don't have necessarily a geographic location that we focus on, but most of our companies are US-based. Uh, we will look outside the U.S., uh, but it really just depends how how safe and how strong we feel the company is in another mm-hmm. jurisdiction. Most of our investments are here, um, in, either in L.A. or Silicon Valley or even Texas. Uh, but, you know, the difference for us is that, you know, with with something like Expert Dojo, it's it's really we're an accelerator, we're an international accelerator. So we'll, I've been on calls where we look in Egypt or we talk to somebody in India or someone in in uh, in Nigeria or Sweden. It's like we're trying to find the best companies around the world because we're taking really, truly early bets at a really low valuation to make the same that they can be someone something amazingly great and help them build to that point where then a a unicorn can come in and invest. Like Unicorn Venture Partners is not gonna invest in a company that Expert Dojo does, even though we have done that Mm -hmm. at the same time, but it's very rare because it just needs more time for a company to get mature enough to get the seed money that they need to grow. 
So, you know, with Unicorn, if someone had an idea or they've, they have some investors and they, they need that next uh, second series or that, that second um, raise, you know, to truly grow, you know, they're kind mm-hmm. of, they're stagnant and they've, they've gotten to the point where everything's going, but they, they really need that extra 5 million, that extra, that little push. Um, would they be looking more of an angel side or a venture side? Honestly, it would probably more be more for an angel side. Cause I think like when you, when an angel side or a pre-seed investment, like, listen, you're probably trying to raise like, you know, uh, 250 to 500,000 initially to get your idea off the ground, you know, to go from there. When you're coming to a venture fund, like unicorn, you know, you're raising in the millions. Mm-hmm. More, more so. And then you have something where you have some sort of product market fit, you know where you want to put the money, whether it's in technology or hiring the right team members to get to more scale, right? Like really, you're just trying to prove out that you, for the first half a million dollars, that you have an idea that makes sense, that there is some traction. And then from that traction, you could raise more money to get to revenue. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, you know, there's just all this different ways of doing things and, and now there's all this crowdfunding crowd sharing and, yeah and yeah. It, it, when someone is starting out it's you know what do i do how do i do it and you know to have i always talk about the team you, you always need a mentor mm-hmm. you need someone um so you don't make the mistakes that you know we did when we first started out mm-hmm. um and it, it's it's fascinating now when you talk about fundraising, yeah, um, talk to me a little bit about how you concentrate or even help people. When you find a company, mm-hmm. what do you talk to them about? Hey, you know, this is the way we're going to do some fundraising, or these are the things that that you need. That I I have a company. These are the questions that I better have in order to talk to Jonathan Hung. Yeah. Uh, So that I don't get turned down. Yeah, definitely. So, because listen, like nobody writes the entire round, you know, like nobody funds everything, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to find great partners, uh, angel investors or other funds. So for me as a fund, listen, I get pitched a lot from other funds that I'm an LP in, or just I've, I've co-invested with. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, you're either writing half a million, you know, half a million dollars to a million, but that that's leading for a series seed round so Mm -hmm. there are opportunities for to bring in extra help or maybe like hey we're better at consumers products right so we should come in and help help uh with our expertise and our network of not not just money but network of influencers network of marketing people network of distributors that can help a company like i think that's so much more more important than just oh i'm trying to get as much of the round as i can Mm -hmm. like it really is for me, it's like the pizza problem. And you see that with what Elon Musk did with his superchargers. It's like, now it's like, you don't just have to have the Tesla to go use a Tesla supercharger. <laughs> Anybody with, you know, an electric vehicle can use it now. And that's great because you want to grow the pie bigger and uh, not just like cut off a portion of the pizza for yourself. You want to make the pie bigger so that eventually the whatever share, share of the market you own, it's just going to be bigger because everyone's involved. Yeah. And, and the only bad thing about that is when I go to a supercharger bank, they're all, they're busier now. 
you know, and I think they're going to get even busier when other type of cars are coming. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs to build some more um, supercharging banks, you know, so that yeah. we, but uh, now um, I wanted to ask you a question about the, uh, within your angel investing or your fund, you can talk about either one, mm-hmm. what kind of control do you have, or are you, do you take like a, a board member or do you, what kind mm-hmm. of control do you have? If you say you, you give a company a million dollars, are you just passive? Um, usually we're not right. Because it's a, it's for us, it's a core, if we're writing a million dollar check, it's a core investment for us. So, and, and we're leading the term sheets, right? So on the term sheet, depending what we're looking for, you know, whether, whether the investment vehicle is, we're, we're looking to take a board seat, right? We want to be involved, but it's not like I want like 20 board seats because, you know, I only have so much time in the day as well, but you're basically guiding and helping a company out. Like I, I usually like to take in the beginning, whether it's a pre-seed or seed company, I like to take, you know, annual um, monthly calls, you know, and check in and then get to quarterly calls, right. For the board meetings and, and make sure that you're on track, you're on pace, because listen, if you're, you're a venture fund that has outside money and limited partners, listen, that's important because you, you can't be passive. Like if, if one of my LPs, if I raise a fund, asks me like, well, how's that investment doing? And I have no idea that makes me look bad. Hmm. I mean, I need to know what the problem is for a company before you, before we even get to the board meeting. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. Cause I tell people like, I'm supposed to be here in case of emergency contact. You know, when you fill out that form at the doctor's office, who are you putting down? Hopefully it's your significant other or, you know, <laughs> family relative. Right. But when it comes to business, like I have to be that person for you because it's not because I own a lot of the business. It's more because like, Hey, I've been through this before and yeah. I can tell you how we can make changes that make sense before issues come up or get bigger. Yeah. Do you get any uh, pushback from, you know, because some of these entrepreneurs, this is their baby and they're like, well, wait a minute, you know, Jonathan, what do you know about MISO, you know, robotics and things like that? And now you want to, you know, you you get pushback? You do. Of course you do. But you know what? The idea is that not all money is good money at the same time. Like, listen, like if we got to a stage where I'm your lead investor, it's like, it's not because you just took it just because of money, right? Because you like who I am and who, 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 how we work together. So it wouldn't be that big of an issue because for me, my job is once, once I always tell this analogy, like my job is to get you through high school. Like to get to your series A and then from there on you're off to college and, and you're, that's another set of professors, right? Another set of advisors to get you mm-hmm. through and hopefully you graduate, you know, and like, you know, you IP or get bought, which is great. So for me, it's like, I, I take, it's, it's good to be able to take criticism as much as you take praise, you know, and that's, that's so important because listen, I'm not investing to be your best friend. I'm investing to help you get to the next stage. Like, it's not like when you have coaches, like, it's like, oh, they just give you all this praise and you never improve, you know, like you have to point out what the weaknesses is and where, where we can improve to get to the next goal. I mean, that's just so much more because why hire a coach? You don't just hire a coach to like tell you you're great and you don't get drafted. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's very good. You know, it's, I, I always wondered with the angel investing in, in the funds um, you know, I had one there, they're wanting me to buy, mm-hmm for instance, you know, three hotels, they wanted me to manage it, me to do all the work. And then, you know, they're yeah. going to put in, you know, 80%, me 20%, but then mm-hmm. they are in turn only going to give me 
a certain percentage mm-hmm. of the profits. Right. Um, and I was like, hmm, you know, it. so it, is that kind of how it works or do you just let it kind of let it ride or, or do you sit there and say, hey, look, you know, it's, it's almost like Shark Tank, right? For mm-hmm. X amount of money, we'll buy in this percentage of the company. And then, but mm-hmm. in return, we only give you X amount because we're basically going to take control. Well, no, you know, I always Shark Tank's a great show. I love that show. You know, we've actually, I've actually had companies that I've invested in have been on the show and they turned down the deal, right? It's actually yeah. sometimes it's great exposure. And a lot of times mm-hmm. you don't even, like they agree on the show or for TV, but it doesn't, it's not reality. You know, it's not actual deal. It's like, I always think, gee, I wish I could get a Shark Tank deal, get like, uh, you know, half the company for like 250K, like, geez. Because <laughs> no, it's really not that great of a company if, you, if it's really that, that low in valuation. You know, I could get half the company for under like a million bucks. But from my perspective, it's you have to be fair. You understand where we are in the marketplace. Like, look, certain deals you get out of Silicon Valley, they're going to have a Silicon Valley like halo effect and a pricing towards it. And it's other people competing for the deal. L.A., New York, um, other secondary or tertiary markets. Listen, you're going to get a better, better, you know, valuation um, than you would in Silicon Valley. But once again, it's about the team. Like if it's such a solid team, like what's the difference between investing at 5 million versus 10 million? Cause you're going to get to that goal of like, you know, a hundred million dollar company or a billion dollar company. So it, that's not the big issue. The issue where it comes to effect was like, you're just not certain, you know, and you, you're not certain if this, if this is the right team to get mm-hmm. you through there. So that's why you, you ask for a lower valuation because nothing's proven out. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, if Elon Musk wants to raise money for the next company, he's going to get whatever valuation he wants. Right, because he's proven he's been there, he's done it before and time and time again. But if you're just somebody who's just starting out, listen, you're gonna have to come a little lower. And especially if there's a lot of competitors in your space, whether it's like especially when it comes to CPG and consumer goods, you know, you have to look at the comps. Because uh, if I start like uh, uh, a candy company with zero sugar or uh, another soda company with zero sugar or whatever, like listen, there's a lot of people in that field, like you're gonna have to raise a lot more money than you can. Yeah. Uh, to compete with Coca-Cola and Pepsi, who are, you know, the mainstays right now. So it, it really just depends on each situation. But like, I don't get like shocked right away because listen, it's a learning experience too. First time entrepreneurs, they're going to learn too. Like sometimes when I'm working with someone who's like, you know, failed or had successes, they understand how it works and they're more reasonable to negotiate out. And sometimes, listen, if they, listen, you can't agree on every single deal. And that's why, you know, what's great is that you work it out. If it doesn't work out, that's okay. And sometimes I tell people this really importantly. I never just say no to anybody because that makes no sense. Like, like I said no to SpaceX, for example, when it was at like 60 billion valuation because I just didn't see it. Now, like I got in at around a 90 billion valuation and I'm thinking, well, I get it now. I see it now. Starlink, I see it. Just like in the stock market, just because you didn't invest in Apple at 150 or $100 doesn't mean you can't get in at 120 because now it's at 150. Like there's still times you can still get back into a market. Where you make it makes sense. You, it's like I'm not. I'm just passing at the current numbers and what I believe are the right where I'm, where my comfortability is. Like it doesn't mean I can't come back in later on and write a check. Yeah, and you know I see in part of your portfolio how you're taking some risks where there are some bigger names. You know, for instance, like Chow Now. Yes. Um, you know, to me, you know, just kind of looking at this, you know, we're, we're just talking. It's like, wow, you know, there's some big dogs out there. Yep. 
um, you know, what made you do want to invest in something like Chow Now? It was the funniest thing. I uh, talking about like uh, full circle or we're, we're how we started this podcast. Now, we're not doing the like, listen, we're this unscripted, everyone. Michael is not setting me up, but like, so I talked about that first company I made, GIF, right? Right, GYFT, mobile yep. gift cards. That was the idea, cloud. And this is before Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, whatever. Like before GIF came out, it was just like the physical gift card space was 95% of the market. You actually had to have the gift card mm-hmm. in order to use it. Now it's like you could just send gift cards, right? Or send money in the cloud and it's just stored in your, it's like, and you, so if you lose the card, you just lose the card. That's totally fine. Yeah. Like Starbucks, you just use your mobile phone to pay, right? Um, so I exited that company to first data in 10 months and I had like two and a half multiple and I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to pay short-term capital gains tax. <laughs> so I had to roll it over into a company. So I looked at the bet what was available and I was presented with Chow Now. I believe it was their raising at a $40 million valuation at the time. And I saw their deck and I remembered something so interesting from it. There was a quote uh, from Patrick Doyle, who was at the time the CEO of Domino's Pizza. And just looking at it, it was just saying like how mom and pop restaurants couldn't compete against a McDonald's or a Domino's. Even though like, you know, you have a great like Italian restaurant who makes great pizza, you know, and, and you're, you're, you're so much better tasting than a Domino's. Mm-hmm. Domino's kills you on pricing and kills mm-hmm. you on tech because you could order online. I mean, Domino's doesn't even own their franchisees, right? It's all franchised out. And so it's a huge supply chain of getting the dough, the ingredients, the, the marinara sauce out there. So it's like, for them, they were saying, listen, our online mobile ordering is so much better than any other local markets. Like we're going to kill it that way. These mom and pops have no chance. Here comes Chow now saying, well, we're going to help mom and pop restaurants out. We're going to get them to the 21st century and for their, put their menus online for them to have an ordering platform. Because like, listen, if you're, you you know, a couple of pizza chains doesn't mean you have the money to to spend in the tech. It's probably more into marketing, but here's a company for, for software as a service, you pay us, hey, we'll get you your menu online and you can find more people that way to order. And that made perfect sense to me. And I invested my entire amount from gift into that. <laughs> and, and so it's worked out, you know, right now, um, I can't disclose the numbers, but definitely Chow Now is definitely worth more than 40 million <laughs> when we put in. And, you know, it, it's a great success story because it, it said something where it's just like, listen, most of the companies aren't about just enterprise you're not just going against Walmart all the time. Mm-hmm. America and most of the world is built on small and medium enterprises. And if you can help find a way to help them improve their business margins, they're going to use your software. You don't, but, and there's just more clients versus where, oh, you got to get, you know, the Fortune 500 to install your app. No, you don't. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been fascinating, uh, Jonathan. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, we appreciate you coming on. Of course. Um, how can people find you if they have any other questions, if they want to kind of like follow how you're doing some things, uh, can people reach you on sure. social media? Sure. Um, my website is jonathanhung.com. Uh, you can send in emails there or just connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Jonathan Hung. Um, yeah, those are the best ways uh, of yeah. finding me. And I do a lot of uh, video podcasts and, and blogs. And if anybody wants some free advice, hey, come take a look. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that uh, will love this episode and definitely take you up on that. So uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate everything you've done. And thanks for coming on. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show, 
and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.